people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Toxic. No, the Toxic Avenger, the musical, yes. is being uh, reopening on the West End oh. in September, playing through through December. And I, you know, I've meant to post something this week because my friend Josh is is in this. So year. this has been an off Broadway thing for a while. Yeah, and the music is by uh, a member of uh, Bon Jovi. Cool. Oh, you had me until then. <laughs> when I ruined our banter. No, you're, it's okay. you're supposed to be in the green room. <laughs> Get back in there behind the curtain. This uh, is this is where we we have we have witty banter for a couple minutes and then we blend no, right into the beginning okay. of the show. This is this is this is well, we've totally blown it. I think it's charming. <laughs> this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Thursday. It's live. Can you tell? June fifteenth, two thousand seventeen. Dun dun dun. Anyway, uh, sitting across from me here at the lovely Brett Cave in an undisclosed location that we call the Brett Cave uh, is, of course, podcast producer. Sir. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. And we have a great uh, show tonight. I'm very excited. We have a very uh, special guest. Uh, in the words of Gonzo the Great, I say old friends that have just met uh, because clearly uh, musical night. this person is uh, is one of us. And we won't do the goobble gobble. Uh, <laughs> one of us. You've never seen Freaks? You've never seen Freaks? Rick? Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. All right. So let's bring him in. Uh, the writer of the book of a musical playing at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. This has not been the first production. I guess there's been a workshop, and there, I'm hoping, many more. Comic-Con the musical, the writer of the book, Nicholas Brandt. Come on in, Nick. Hey, everybody. I tried to sneak in. Yeah, da, oddly, da, enough, da, da. oddly enough, there was one of us, one of us, Google Gobble, was a previous line in the, the musical that we cut out. Excellent. Because <laughs> nobody got it. And because I haven't seen it yet, yeah. <laughs> so, you know see, when you say we no, we had to cut it if you were there. Right. Among, among fandom, when you say nobody got it, that just means you're showing it to the wrong people. Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> and you leave that stuff in, and you—that's what people remember you for. And then, and then, you know, every seventh night, someone laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> so, Worth it, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about uh, you know why we're here. It was actually we were introduced by. Uh, Josh Pialkov, uh, comic book writer extraordinaire. Totally. Well, actually, I'm sorry, online he's Josh. Yeah, so Joshua Hale Fialkov. Um, and all hail Fialkov. All hail oh. Fialkov. Uh, so uh, he posted a thing last week on Facebook about Comic Con the musical. And uh, so I, 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 one, it was because you're actually playing at the Sacred Fools Theater Company. And I'm going to give a little of my own trivia that I think it was in a Hollywood Fringe Festival about six or seven years ago that I saw uh, a press release for a musical called Earth Sucks. And I used to be a drama teacher, and we actually did produce the uh, Catholic high school version of, of a Sacred Fool's play called Earth Sucks, a musical. 
And so when I saw your this listing for Comic-Con the Musical, I'm like, why am I not still teaching? Why could I not force this upon people? Um, so let's talk about it. You're clearly, because uh, uh, you should also mention, you're the editor of an image comic, Little Depressed Boy. That is correct. I, uh, I edited the run up until now. Uh, so I've been with it since uh, its days as a webcomic. And did I read, I mean, just... Before we get to Comic Con the Musical, did I just read yeah. that you're going to get a uh, that there's a movie? Jonah Ray is trying to. Uh... That is correct. Uh, yeah, they, I think it was just released on Deadline Hollywood or something like that. Uh, I've actually known about it for a little while because uh, Cena, the artist, and Struble, the writer, uh, are good friends of mine. And since I'm the editor, they let me in on little tidbits like that. Uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, there you go. And and you've been writing backups in this i you know read your bio i'm going to confess right up front sadly this has been one of those books that i've always gone oh, i hear great things i should pick this up and now next week i will but i have not until <laughs> until now so well i'm going to selfishly ask you to pick up the individual issues because the backup features were never put into the collections ah shame travesty oh oh okay so and pick up the individual issues to read your work so th- that's uh let us then focus on your. Clearly, you're a fanboy. You're one of us. And and what was your inspiration to get a, get involved in a musical version of Comic Con? Well, the funny thing is, uh, the composer and lyricist Laura Watkins uh, was a friend of friends, and I had like casual dealings with her. And all of a sudden, the friend that I know, Drew, who was uh, like acting as the like go between, the consigliere, if you will. Uh, he was like, hey, Laura wants to start asking you questions about nerd stuff. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, totally. And she'd send me emails like, what's a villain that rhymes with quaint? Or what's a hero that can fly? And I would just... <laughs> I want that is job. It, is this like every nerd's dream? Is like, I want that job. <laughs> I, I know this woman, and she'd like to ask you questions about nerd stuff. And, okay, yeah. Is she and single? So, <laughs> and so, no, she's she's married. Sorry. Yeah, uh, right. So she'd ask me so, these questions. And then after a couple, she was like, hey... Uh, by any chance, would you be interested in writing the book for a musical? And I said, yes. Because <laughs> if someone asks you if you want to write the book for a musical, you say yes. In general, but in particular. But in particular. When and uh, she just wanted to do something that was kind of focused around uh, the nerd community in general. And I said, the great like convergence of all things nerd is at a comic book convention. So it should really be set there. Yeah, and this is actually taking place at a fictional version of San Diego Comic Con. Uh, oh, we try not to be specific. Oh, you about never say it. it. You but, never say it. Okay, but you know, in general, uh, I would say it's a big con, so that's the best like stand-in for it. Uh, so yes, question mark. <laughs> uh, you know, sub Diego to pull out a, a, a you know, it's, it's an underwater. Yeah, yeah. See, we, we're on the same wavelength. Um, and, but definitely in the description of this of this book, uh, there are things that, yeah, I could see. This is actually people would wish a fallen from grace film icon pulls a Willy Wonka and offers to make one special attendee's dream come true in the form of a movie deal. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I read. It's, it's what we all hope for. We all want to be discovered. Uh, we all have these secret dreams of being a creator, but it's really hard to get over that hump and get somebody to, like, open that door or take you seriously and, and like, make that dream come true. So the three leads, which are uh, a girl who writes fanfic, a guy who's trying to get people to take his comic, and it's free, and nobody will, based on a true story. I know that stuff. guy. 
and the comic, and the, and and the comic by the way, is Super Christian Psychic Alcoholic Alien Detective. That's that correct. Alc- inspired by his mom. <laughs> also correct. <laughs> it, oddly enough, that is the song that most people tell me they can't get out of their head. It's a music. song too? Oh, yeah. How can it not be a song? You're right. <laughs> it has to. It, it was a moral imperative to make that a song. Wow. So, okay, there's that, and there's a third, right? Is a, Yeah, the uh, third person is a, a cosplayer, and he has this costume, but he doesn't have the story for it. So all of their journeys kind of converge uh, with this pitch contest, and they become friends in line, as happens at a con. That is true. And, and they just try to, to come up with this great story so that they can win together. But they have to face the, the odds of an idea-stealing uh, creator of a show on the CW called Vampire, the number four rated vampire show on the CW, <laughs> and an actual alien. Yes, and 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 none of this seems uh, out of the realm of reality for Comic Con. Yeah, I'm saying this is just news, right? Yeah, I mean, because oh, yeah. I've I've said for years that the zombie apocalypse will happen there at Comic Con, and, and no one will know for at least a week, and then of course, I boom did that zombies versus fanboys and uh you know it's like no that was truth there's nothing there's nothing out of the ordinary there so uh so clearly you said based on on somewhat uh uh true story um and so the process of this you there was a workshop because i saw photos of you with steven schwartz which is also uh doubly envious for me the uh composer of of wicked and one of my favorite musicals godspell and Uh, pippin and Pippin, also mm. one of my favorite musicals. Uh, so and, and and Hunchback of Notre Dame. I mean, let's just you know, let's go over Steve Schwartz. <laughs> Children of Eden. I, I, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do any more. Um, <laughs> oh, I think I think I'm out too. Damn. Well, but we got five. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so tell us about that. You know, that the, the workshop has it changed much from workshop to this? I mean, it's still fringe. So I would imagine you're not you're you don't have the rotating sets yet and the. Uh, uh, not yet. Not, not yet. Not, the chandelier no that swings out no over the audience. Sets, no, no flying gear, no full orchestra. Uh, the workshop was actually the first time that we ever performed anything from it. Uh, we got into the workshop, four musicals were chosen, and basically the format is, it was at the Wallace Annenberg in Beverly Hills. Fantastic space, really cool. Yeah. You, per- you perform 30 minutes, and then uh, Stephen Schwartz and uh, two other uh, theater uh, friends of his then critique you in front of that audience for wow. about 30 minutes. Uh, needless to say, I felt raw coming out of it. I was like shaking. I was like, uh, like precious. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you in this show as well? I, uh, or one of did the you rules admit? for them was that you can't perform in it oh. uh, if you're one of the creators. So that is how, how quickly my Broadway career was ended. I'm sorry. And, and it was, it was, it was, a priceless experience. We've got Go, enough co- Lynn Manuel Miranda's. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but they, uh, there are five of him. I, he's been cloned. <laughs> that's the only explanation for how he's doing stuff. Oh, I would watch mm-hmm. Lynn Manuel Miranda in Orphan Black, the musical. <laughs> wow, wow, we've got it. Here we go. Call my agent. All right. Anyway, go ahead. So it was it was a daunting experience because I don't know if you've ever received comments in front of a live audience, but it was scary. But coming out of it. We knew what we had to do to improve the musical, and then we did uh, cabaret shows locally in uh, Los Angeles, uh, performing a couple of the songs, including Super Christian, uh, and then we did a, just a small workshop of ourselves, uh, just 
in a room for like 60 people. And we took all of those notes, all that feedback, and that's what got us to the point of having this fringe show. I love the fact that you can just call it super Christian and get past a lot of people's <laughs> subjection to the rest of the song. Well, dot, dot, dot. They may not understand. <laughs> right, you know? right. Now I'm going to ask uh, right now, because even if there's an awkward pause after this, are there uh, audio files available that maybe we could drop in to play a little excerpt? Because Rick is a fantastic editor, sound editor. Could we? Uh... Yeah, I think if you go to comiconmusical.com, hang on, I'm going to type and make sure that that's the right web address. You will have to edit this out. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> no, we'll keep we'll keep talking. Uh, I keep this as like a, a de facto uh, <laughs> approval of our using the <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, if you go to comiconmusical.com forward slash listen, uh, there is actually not only is there audio of uh, Super Christian in the the like SoundCloud mix, there's actually video of us performing it at Rockwell for a musical. And that's not a hidden uh, email. No, So we can leave that in the show so people people can check it out there as well. Yeah, absolutely, excellent, great. great. So uh, now the Hollywood Fringe Festival, it's this is performing it has two performances left next week, um, and, and it truly is a festival. It's like all, small theaters all over all over town. I have not been to the Sacred Fools. This is the second stage, right? I mean, literally, that's what it's called. So, um, you know, how, what's, your, what's your house like, and uh, and how have have the, has the reception been so far? Uh, in the second stage, there's about 80 seats. Our stage is roughly 16 feet by 21 feet, give or take. Reception's been great. Uh, we've gotten a bunch of reviews. The great thing is when somebody who has nerd leanings sees it, they get it. They get what we're trying to do, uh, and they own a piece of it. I feel like people emotionally connect and respond to it, and that's really what we wanted to do. It's a love letter to being a fan, and it's like the main theme of it is accepting who you are and owning that you know each of us has a superpower how many it might people... be lame but but we have a superpower we might how... shoot tuna melts from our fingers how many people do you get do you think that come to comic-con the musical who don't have nerd leaning so just kind of like comic-con curious kind of people uh i would say it's probably half of the crowd is probably uh, really comic-con curious but wow. let's be let's, let's be honest we've been to comic-cons all over the place they're all curious half, no half the, <laughs> half the crowd at least half the crowd are comic-con curious yes. okay exactly you know there are, because that's I, I don't know how long you know we've joked about about our beards and and the gray in mine and you know so i don't know how long you've been involved in fandom but just seeing like you've likely seen some change of like you know say 17 years ago going to san diego it really was all the people that were nerds and now it is you know it's a i don't want to say a trend uh you know but it's trendy it's you know it's the cool thing let's check it out see what's going what's going on have you experienced that oh yeah no i remember when i first moved out here after college just going down to san diego not having a ticket buying one at the door and walking in and by the way neil gaiman was speaking at that one ah. <laughs> And I'm like, I can get in and see Neil Gaiman, my idol? This is awesome. It doesn't get any better than that. No. No. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there, but we even talk, uh, like, uh, one of the lines is, I've been here from Lord of the Rings fans to Shudder Twilight fans. <laughs> yes. I uh, remember that year. <laughs> we do remember that year. I feel like that's that's the Fonzie jumping the shark year. That's, that's the year that everything went just mental, where, like, the crowds got huge, and it's... It just became so much bigger, and it went beyond comic book. 
I think, at that point. Yeah. It was leaning that way, leading up to it, but it, it just, it got taken over by, like, pop culture and entertainment. There's a lot and of moms I'm, with six little girls in tow. But, but and, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, in, 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 I... I've certainly I run into people with that with an attitude, but I think when you look back, like Jack Kirby always predicted this would happen. You know, I, I think the the the, tra- the big tragedy of like Jack Kirby passing as young as he did was he didn't live to see yeah. that he was right that yeah. he was going to be the center of the universe. And uh, here's the thing: it's it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing that uh, some people can't attend that want to. But yeah. I think uh, having more people being involved in nerd culture is a great thing. Yes. Yeah. Now we're not we're not uh, offic- uh, we're not uh, supporters of the true fan. No, you're not one of those. Uh, yeah, because I do remember the Twilight years, and I thought I don't care. I'm glad that they're there. You know. Well, they, they, the thing, the thing, the thing you hated was they went in and they camped the the hall age yes, all day long, yes, and they didn't that, care about anything. So they were chatting and having yes, little parties that, and stuff. Well, I I long since gave up on going to hall age at that point anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so what what will be the future for this? Uh, do you know any Broadway producers? <laughs> <laughs> um, not that he'll what? answer my calls but uh, uh, I do know one damn it yeah, uh, so. well maybe somebody in your listening audience is a Broadway producer and wants to help us along our journey well don't you want uh, to be right? off Broadway isn't that you know oh. more the cooler thing oh, uh, oh it would totally be an off Broadway show I, I would embrace off Broadway uh, ideally we want to just keep performing it keep making it bigger better shinier faster stronger um, yeah but we don't have a, a concrete roadmap. We wrote this out of love, and we're hoping that that will be a beacon, like like Shadow Moon, to to somebody. <laughs> You're just gonna keep dropping your cred. That's excellent. Um, <laughs> how how big is the cast? Uh, for this pr- production, we have thirteen very very talented cast members. All right, so it's it's a flexible size, uh, you know. So that's I think it could get bigger. Uh, like we have a lot of numbers where literally everyone is singing and I just have a, a vision of a wall of sound coming off of that stage. Mm. That'd be nice. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your fans. We, you mentioned Neil Gaiman, you've dropped a little American gods reference. Uh, what are the things that really dr- drive you to fandom and the things that like you're looking forward to comic-con where perhaps we're a month away. Oh, yeah. Well, I have my badge. I don't have a hotel room. So if you have a off-Broadway producer with a spare hotel, hotel room, room, they are my new <laughs> hero. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I started I started reading uh, comic books uh, roughly around the time of the Mutant Massacre and Uncanny X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's about where I started, and I haven't stopped since. Good days. Yeah, you know. Uh and yeah, I just I'm drawn to stories. You know, I'm a I'm a storyteller. I love good stories. These days, like early on, uh, my uh, first taste is free. Trying to get people to read comic books was death, the high cost of living, because I felt like people could uh, associate with that, sure. regardless of their leanings. And these days, I'm I'm like foisting saga upon people. Yeah, that's you know, I think that is kind of the gateway drug. For a while, it was fables. But before oh, yeah. that, I think you're right. Death, the high cost of living was, and the Sandman in general. Uh, but death was because it was such a compact story. You didn't really t- need to know the rest of the saga. Uh, no, no pun intended there of of the endless, right? You know, to appreciate how, how neatly compact and beautiful that story was. Um, so saga, yeah, that's. 
I hear that a lot. I so you know. Oh yeah, cool. I I read uh, up until volume seven. I was reading them in volumes, and uh, I literally had to step away. I I use Comicsology. Uh, I literally had to step away from my computer and take a moment because I was like devastated at the end of that. Yeah. And I love I love that I love that a story can do that to you. Yeah. I love that you can connect with characters or people or situations that are nothing like you, but you can empathize yeah. and sympathize and kind of grow through storytelling. It's almost like a, a topic of a show for me is like which comic books made you cry? Or you know <laughs> <laughs> like a, Death of Captain Marvel. Death of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. I, yeah, I totally have that graphic novel. I can like, remember gasping out loud in Sandman when these when the Furies said said they could not strike vengeance on someone unless they had harmed a member of their family and I went no he did yeah. <laughs> you know, they like, hung a lantern on that one okay yeah that's gonna happen yeah you know yeah. and then when I realized where that where that book was going it was just like oh that was that was tragic um and so and those are the, the ones that made us emotionally cry not the ones that made us like cringe cry <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um yeah hmm. I, I I don't want to go there dark night too uh, no, I kind of like Dark Knight too. Yeah. Dark Knight Three is ticking me off, but yeah, okay. I, um, <laughs> so and, and and speaking of that, let's go from Dark Knight to to Bright Knight, shall nice we? Transition. I mean, well, you know, because I know one uh, Nick has to has to leave because you are going to the tribute tonight over the weekend. Uh, oh, you know, this is this is a suck, sucky way to wake up. Is my old RA from college? Text me this my, one minute before my alarm went off on Saturday morning, oh. saying Adam West has died, and it was just like this is I don't want to I don't want to face the day I don't want to get out of bed now I don't <laughs> you know I I, I don't um, and uh, so yeah tonight uh, Nick gets to gets to view this in person uh, is that uh, the mayor Eric Garcetti of, of Los Angeles. Has, is going to shine the bat signal on City Hall. I don't know how long he's going to do it. Did they have they given a time, or is it just enough time for everyone to just really absorb this? Yeah, I would imagine it's going to be enough for everybody to take a picture and post it to Instagram. But the cool thing is, additional to the mayor, the police chief will also be there. Speaking in an Irish accent, I hope I so. Hope it, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it's uh, well, that was uh, no, that was uh, the uh, O'Brien. Oh, wait a the, the chief, chief, chief O'Hara, yeah, it O'Hara, was chief, yeah chief right, O'Hara, right, right, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, on on what we now call Batman sixty six, but when we yes. grew up, it was just Batman. Um, yeah, he died after a, a sh- for those who have not heard, and I can't imagine who hadn't because it's all over the place. Um, he had passed after a very short battle with leukemia, and I thought it, it is interesting because I'm hearing I was hearing from people who was like, well, he was supposed to appear at a convention next month, still, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think this really was very sudden, and um, which leukemia can do that. Yeah, um, I think he's amazingly vibrant. I mean, no, absolutely, active. and so I, I want to give you know the positives are. Uh, he did complete voice work on the sequel to Return of the Cape Crusaders, so we will still be seeing Batman versus Two Face. So Adam West and William Shatner will be reunited after their Alexander nice. the Great pilot back in '64 that had failed. So we still have that animated work to look forward to. And this is the thing that was that is annoying me because NBC canceled it before they showed it. Was he actually had a major role? on powerless and it was intended that he was going to be the the Wayne patriarch 
Um, and so he did shoot one episode of Powerless, and then they canceled it, and they haven't shown it yet. It'll be on the DVD. Oh, uh, well, I'm hoping it'll Let's show up on so. Hulu soon. You know, or if MDC was smart, they would, I mean, it, just they would just say, it. this is Adam West's last yeah, last let's just work. schedule an evening. Yeah, you know, and we do it for basketball. Why not? Do it should, well, you know, reshow the pilot in which he narrated. Yeah, and then and then be you know show that show that episode. But uh, what was you know uh, a few months ago? Someone asked me like when did w- put on on Facebook like when did you first become aware of Batman? And I think from my earliest memory, I was aware of Batman, and I was aware of it was Adam West that was Batman. So. Yeah. Uh, how about you? You you know, Nick, you're 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 a bit younger. How did you you know discover Adam, Mr. Oh, West? It was absolutely uh, Batman. Uh, I I remember. I think it was on Nickelodeon when I was watching it, and it was just fun and positive and cool and interesting. And I wanted to learn how to Batusi, and. <laughs> It is and the I only... wanted bat shark repellent too. You know, I just, uh, I, you know, everybody wants to grow up to be a superhero, especially when you're young. I mean, I still want to grow up to be a superhero, but you know, it's and he was just cool. And I, I heard uh, recently he was offered the role of James Bond. Yes, and turned it down mm. because yeah, which and how stand up of of him to do that. He said that he didn't want to take that away from a British person, which, by the way, British people stopped taking our superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> if the greatest of them all did you the favor. But I, you know, and I, and I, I've reflected on that this week because sadly, that's how my, you know, my thought processes go. I start reflecting on things like that and rereading and going, you know, for a man who I know had kind of a love hate relationship, the way Leonard Nimoy did with Spock for a long time, um, and feeling very typecast, uh, that he really did have the opportunity to break out of that very early and turned it down because of his integrity. Yeah. I mean, who, who amongst us would actually do that? Like, I think that's, that is a rarity because uh, uh, everybody's looking for their, their like leg up their next big thing. That would have been huge. And you know what? I want to visit an alternate reality where that happened. Cause I would love to watch some of those movies. No, it's, if, it's in Morpheus's library. Oh, totally. And if you think about it, like, Roger Moore did kind of have uh, an Adam West kind of quality. Acting through eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of of Kevin Smith's and Ralph Garman's podcast Hollywood Babylon, and you know Ralph Garman was a very became very close friends with Adam West and does a killer Adam West impersonation, uh, and but they showed a clip because they they posted online of of the show that recorded Saturday night after the news broke. And um, they showed a clip of Adam West, and I'd forgotten this scene, as uh, Commissioner Gordon needs Bruce Wayne to be part of a ransom scheme with Batman, that the two of them are supposed to collude. So Adam West has the regular phone up to his right ear and the bat phone up to his left ear and is holding a conversation with himself and since this happened only once, I had never noticed. He really did use two different voices. And, you know, and you see it and switching back and forth because, of course, Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon are holding the phones up against each other so they can talk. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and they're listening in. So, of course, he has to sound like two different people. And it had never occurred to me that he did. Is that the same episode where, where Alfred dresses up as bad uh, no i'm not i'm not sure you know yeah. and, I, and i'm thinking back to a time in downtown la 
I gosh, I, I must have been in college like in '88 or '89. I don't know what the excuse was, but um, before downtown was kind of revived, they held a Batman party, and the entire cast came. And so that was the first time I'd seen Adam West in person. Was up on a balcony, just came out and said, "Look at my terrific." crime fighting physique and and poor alan napier you know it was like he yeah. was on death's door at that, at that point but i mean everybody was there and it was it was amazing and that was the first time i saw the bat signal in downtown la so i you know i'm again doubly envious uh that, it, that i won't be able to do that tonight but you know he he certainly did uh embrace whether he had a difficult time in the 70s or not but embraced his role and i can remember and i, and I said he always had a point of Tim Burton's version was dark and and I you know it was cool, but he said the kids need Uncle Batman, and you know I think that the the animated series Batman the Brave and the Bold, oh yeah, kind of picked up that feeling. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, I didn't kind of. I mean, they were doing visually the opening credits basically in their in their character design, but it was, you know, he yeah he was a hero, and it's also making me feel like man, we're just we're gonna we gotta brace ourselves. Because none of these guys are getting younger. Oh, no. You know, I mean, Shatner's 86, 87. Um, you know, so not that I'm looking forward, forward to any of that. But uh, but what are you going to do when you go downtown? I mean, you are downtown. But when you, you know, do you have a special bat brew ready? Uh, are you going to put on a cowl? I'm not going to. I might pop the collar on my, my black jacket just to seem cooler. But oh. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to cry in public. Mm. that's really the goal is to not cry in public uh it's just it's it's a blow because he meant so much to all of us you know and you don't you know you don't get over that there's it, there's always going to be something missing now yeah 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 um so i should have worn something batman related tonight i did not but uh i'm i'm glad that we can at least talk to somebody who is going to go to that that tribute because i there's also a power of by the way nick say go ahead and cry in public because i have a feeling there'd be thousands of people around you doing exactly the same thing oh yeah no i mean and you know it's just it's hard to sum up in words Uh, i i definitely felt the blow when we lost leonard nimoy uh, just as a nerd, you 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 just assume these people are going to be in your life forever. Yeah, well, and I, they mean so much to you. They they take on this iconic status as much as the characters that they portrayed. And frankly, the way we see them more often than not is still in those images that were shot back in the '60s and '70s, and not and we don't we don't appreciate fully that they are getting older. They're they're evergreen and in memory and in, in, in our experiences with them. And so it's like, they aren't supposed to be taken away from us and they haven't, and the, they haven't. And that's, been. that's actually the nice thing about it is they, uh, we've, we've lost the person, but the legacy will continue. Yeah, Absolutely. We'll never lose that. Absolutely. And this is uh, a week where I would say early people, you know, go out and do something good. And, uh, as I put in the tribute on fanboy planet is, you know, there was that internet meme of, you know, always be yourself unless you can be Batman always be Batman and say Adam West got to do both yeah and to go back to Neil Gaiman whatever happened to the the Cape Crusader is you know that's the moral there you you get to be Batman and there's nothing better than that and and so we say good night to Adam West and we're going to enjoy looking back at those Blu-rays and episodes and 
Uh, I'm looking forward to Batman versus Two Face, and uh, and you get to go off into the night tonight and actually join in with people together in the community and the people that have been affected uh, positively by by his life. And so, uh, I am envious. I am envious. I will carry you both with me. You will be on each shoulder. <laughs> Wow. You haven't seen a full body shot of me. I don't think you can do it, man. Big but shoulders. <laughs> I've been working how... out. You don't know, man. I've been working out. Okay. <laughs> I'm squatting like 300. So. Okay. Well, all right. I'm about 300 when I squat. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> It's not that bad yet, but I shouldn't have had that extra nacho. All right. So, uh, anyway, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. We'll be in touch an email, too. And Comic-Con the Musical. It's going to say Comic-Con the Movie. No, but maybe. You're dreaming of that, too, right? Uh, Comic-Con the Musical still has performances next week at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And then um, uh, one last plea there. If anyone out there listening knows a Broadway or off-Broadway producer... Uh, there is this terrific uh, nerd musical waiting for you. It's the next Little Shop of Horrors, right? Only with superheroes. Uh, I'm going to use that from now on if it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for taking the Thank time you tonight. so much. Well. On to the comics news tonight, uh, which is, uh, I, we are going to play what's the bag, but first just one little thing I thought, and, and now I realize it's appropriate to some of the things we were just talking about with, with Nick. Yep. Uh, today, Mark Avanier announced the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Writing. It is an award given every year at the Eisner's, a special, it is named after, of course, uh, Bill Finger, who was the co-creator of Batman who only in the last two years has really been acknowledged as such publicly. It's one of those things where, you know, on Hulu, I, have you watched this yet, Batman and Bill? No, I've not. Oh, I, I, I do think you would enjoy it. Uh, the, and I'm seeing a lot of people starting to, they're finding it on Hulu and going and posting on Facebook like, this is a great, great documentary. I'm like, if only the algorithms of Facebook would have allowed you to see that I had reviewed it a couple of weeks ago, you would have found it earlier. Uh, it, it is a great uh it's a great story. And, um, it was funny because I was explaining to, uh, my mother why. And it's like, yeah, it, it never occurred to my mother that anybody had created Batman, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, you know, and it is a big deal. It's, it's just an element been around since Beowulf. Uh, yeah. Well, well kind of, if you believe Grant Morrison, yes. And, uh, so anyway, he was in his lifetime. He basically died penniless, uh, in the, I think it was the seventies. And, um, you know, no one knew and his family has been fighting for decades to get him credit. It's not even about the money, though I'm sure there is money, but it's more about just that acknowledgement that he'd done. So the award is given to people that they think were unsung or, you know, have been underappreciated for great work. Uh, And it's given to one, one, they give two each year. One is posthumous and one is to a living writer. I, I think the living writer this year absolutely uh fits that that definition to modern audiences of underappreciated for the work he did mm-hmm. which is william meissner Loeb's, who i remember way back uh reading journey the wolverine McAllister, i think was the character um, yes and yes. they're like i only got interested in it because it was wolverine and then i was like hey, wait this isn't this wolverine. Is not wolverine yeah but uh you know interesting interesting character there. but he became uh he he was picked up by by DC and the two characters that he in that he had a huge influence on and yet is not really given credit for, um, even though they existed before him, 
but they're really popular as of this week, the flash and wonder woman. He launched Wally West post crisis mm-hmm. as, as the flash. And as Mark Wade actually pointed out uh, a few weeks ago, people forget that uh, Wally West was the flash as long as Barry Allen was the flash. Yeah, because before yeah, Barry 57 Allen. 57 to 85, yeah. and then is Barry Allen, and then Wally West is from 86 to 2006. So actually, mm-hmm. you know, a, or longer, 2009, whenever New 52 wiped him out of existence, um, Flashpoint, I guess, did. Um, he's back, though. Uh, he's back. But anyway, it, it was it was Messner Loeb's who came up with you know a lot of the things that now you see even reflected in the TV show. Uh, in both TV shows, the uh, the metabolism, the having to constantly eat, right. the the price of, of 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 the powers, and and just that was all Wally. Yeah, it was all yeah, all and and the joy of being the Flash. Wally, as Kid Flash, was often conflicted in Teen Titans and and New Teen Titans, and as the Flash. It was the legacy, you know, and he's the one who really started that too. I'm Wally West, and I'm the fastest man alive. And now they say I'm Barry Allen, because, but you know, let's face it, Grant Gustin is playing Wally West, but they're calling him Barry Allen, and so get yeah. better for that. And, yeah, and he kept the Wonder Woman, um, you know, flame alive after George Perez stepped away, and uh, you know, so. Yeah, I was just going over the. I mean, I love Journey. Journey was Journey it was, was just great. an excellent book. I'm um, just like topic that uh, topic that nobody knew that much about. It's very pragmatic stories, nothing crazy about it. Just like, um, but the Max. He worked with Sam Keith on the Max, and I forgot that. And um, that was a weird book, and I mean that in high as high praise. And he did Johnny Quest for Comico back in the day. I had every issue of that too. Yeah. So. Uh, great writer who deserves uh, the acknowledgement and I, I i don't know he i really haven't seen a credit from him recently and i don't know if that's just the industry's tendency to say well he's not really the hot writer but but you never know because jerry conway came back after years away from comics and uh, so maybe maybe this will be for him um and the posthumous award is going to jack kirby Long for his hundredth you know the centennial yeah. of his birth yeah. and uh it is long overdue and, and and if you're listening saying well we know jack kirby it's like yeah but they're acknowledging his writing which we can debate the objective merits of it but the sheer creativity you know when i look at marvel i will say something controversial about the the jack kirby stan lee collaboration is i look at them together as like lennon and mccartney um and Although you might say that Stan Lee was a little more Ringo than than uh, than McCartney, but I, I do think that they brought out the strengths of each other in a way that separately they they did not do. Well. You know, their weak points really became more obvious. And yet, and you know, take away once Kirby left Marvel, I don't think Stan was ever really anywhere near as no. influential or creative as no, a writer. Um, very good self-promoter, yes. and I don't want to take anything away, oh, by the still, way. he still was the heart I lo- of Marvel. I, I love Stan, and, you know, and when people criticize him, I go, look, look, nobody else was going to step in and be the spokesperson for comics that Stan Lee was. He wrote the bullpen every... every yeah. So, couple all that said, yeah. you just look at, at Jack Kirby and say, look, this week alone, um, 
well, there's still the Commandi challenge. There's uh, all these DC keeps retelling yeah. all these things that Kirby created for them. Fourth World, well, the influence he has currently on Bug. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna. I, I I think that might be one of your choices, so I wasn't gonna yeah. gonna go deep in there. But to realize as crazy as his as that work was, it's like you know he had originally actually teamed with Joe Simon, and it, Joe Simon's another one who, when Joe Simon came back in and did solo stuff, there's insane stuff, but it never had the impact no. of what kirby did you know you, you talk about a writer right and you can say a writer who writes prose who know who, who manages the language in a poetic or an effective way from the standpoint of the way the language sounds and stuff then you talk about a writer who just knows how to pace an action story how to disclose just enough information to keep it going on how to when to break into a fight scene when to break the fight scene off and that's another type of expertise that kirby just that's the that's the writer that i think kirby was. well yeah i mean there's the advantage as an artist of thinking visually when working in comics yeah but you still have to write that out you still have to oh sure that out you know yeah. and and but when you look at who the characters were as silly sometimes as the alliteration was as on the nose let's be honest dark side is there a more on the nose name? Um, you know, except maybe Funky Flashman. Uh, <laughs> you know, who was Stanley? Who was Stanley? <laughs> yes. Um, but you think about all the Fourth World Saga, Mister Miracle being, you know, just being like, oh, I want to immortalize Steranko. Well, all the stuff he did in the Fantastic Four. You can just you just walk through the history of the Fantastic Four. Every three or four issues you get a brand new idea that shaped the marvel universe for the next 30 40 years well and 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 not just fantastic four though like i was looking back thanks to marvel comics unlimited like one of the the things that i think that that app does right is like well if you're reading a guardians of galaxies is right at the end do you want to know more yeah you can go back here so i would you like to know more so i went back into like four or five issues of thor because i'd never read the first appearances of ego I'd oh, never seen yeah. a comic in which Ego appeared more in his Kurt Russell form mm-hmm. than his planetoid. I've only seen the big planet, you know? And so it was really fascinating to see, to look over. In, that was all in Thor, too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I mean. Right, that's right, what I'm saying. Right, yeah. is that it's all over in Thor that all this stuff that is now the cosmic. And, and it's no accident that the other cosmic book movie out of. At, to the left of Guardians of the Galaxy is Thor Ragnarok because Thor perfectly. Le- you know, lent himself to that to that wildness, and I can remember shortly before he died, he was like on Access Hollywood or Entertainment Tonight. It must have been, I must have been in high school, and they interviewed him about. I think maybe it was when Captain Victory and the Galaxy Rangers came out, uh-huh. and so they did this profile of Jack Kirby, and he was talking about you know I just I just tell stories, and because he was really humble, and that's the thing too. I mean, you know, I think that's what hurt him in the public's mind's eyes like you know that he didn't have the he least just he just didn't want he yeah. just didn't want to you know he didn't seek that yeah that spotlight but he was so prescient and one of the things they they asked him like you keep doing these books with aliens you know like do you think there's anything out there oh yeah you know he was just he his he was so open and you'd look at this guy and he's with the stogie the way he portrayed himself and let's face it ben Grimm was kind to him yeah. you know as a young as a younger man you know the way he portrayed terrible him, turpin too the, yeah, yes uh and to realize that his heart and his soul was so open and his imagination was so big and yet he seemed so like eh, 
down-to-earth, matter-of-fact, whatever. Yeah. You know? You don't expect that person. You look at that guy, you look at that personality, you don't expect him to come up with a silver surfer in Galactus, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not what what you're thinking, which, again, is one of the big tragedies. That's not part of the Marvel Universe right now because... I'm going to get a little more tragic for you. But anyway, uh, but we'll get to that to the movies. Uh, So, yeah, I think uh, great choices uh, and... We may not attend that ceremony, although I don't know if you, uh, oh, Nicholas said he had his, his badge. I do have to say in their efforts to avoid, uh, forgery, I got this box. Oh yeah. Unmarked box for your badge. No, no. You open the package. It's a beautiful magnetized box, magnetized shut. You open up. There's a little lapel pin comic-con 2017 nice there's your badge and an invitation to join comic-con hq with a checklist for the things you might want to watch and the things you might want to do in san diego it is the most beautiful packaging and 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 the ribbon that says press if you should choose to apply it to your badge or not you know it's just like oh my gosh this is the best packaging for I suddenly now I wish I had asked for my my badge after after months of not feeling wanted by Comic Con. I went, right. oh, you gave me you flowers. like me, you really like me. <laughs> you know, I know everybody got one, right? But it was just beautiful, uh, you know. So uh, it, it, it's it did remind me of like I love it, dang it, um, and and so I, we you know look forward to that. And on Comic Con HQ, maybe they'll broadcast the Eisners. I wish they would because those are they always seem fun. I don't know that I'd want to be in the room at the time, but it's like I watch the Oscars and the Tonys, and I and I want to, yeah. you know, I'd like to see. I'm hoping that they're going to do a well for my own purposes, but I'm I think it's about time that they join so many other big conventions right now and do live streaming of, of more yeah events. but you know i think like wizard world i i they experimented with it i don't think they're doing that as in the way they were when they first pushed yeah. it but i also think wizard world's still having a little bit of financial trouble e3 uh, almost everything's been live streamed not not even yeah. well but i i think even to say i think e3 is still bigger and than, you know because here here's the other thing you know we should say is i think there's for any video game more people are going to be aware of that. You know, we just had Nicholas on bemoaning how it's, you know, became pop culture. But the reality is more people have seen the movie of Wonder Woman yes, than have ever read, the read a comic. More more that than almost any other book that's yeah. made in and, and and say as much as I, you know, say recently the DC Injustice 2 can come out. Yeah. More people are playing, playing that video game. game. Yep. Than, than read the comic Justice League or yep. Injustice for that matter. Well, much more than Injustice, yeah. It does pretty well digitally. That's yeah. why it exists. So, you know? yeah. We'll, we'll, they'll never know. They never tell us what the numbers are. So let's go to what's in the bag. What are we actually trying to read? I say trying because I always want to, and uh, I don't always read what, I, what I've what i got. So Okay. Let's, I'm going to go to first? Bag? Yeah. Are, were you, gonna, you weren't going to do this one, were you? Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just talk when you okay. do if you want to. We right? both read it. Yeah. Uh, today we got Dark Days, The Forge, which is the uh, prelude to the metal event. And there's all kinds dark of dark nights metal. That's what the event. It's got dark it. and dark days, the forge, and then dark nights metal. Yes. Yeah, and and, and of course all the variants that they're going to pop up on us oh, on this. Yes. Um, this is an impressive book. It's a five dollar book. Uh, first off, it's a metallic cover. Is that how much I spent for it? Yeah, okay. four ninety nine. Yeah. Um, 
and from what I can tell, uh, there were three or four covers for it, including a uh, Kirby-esque... In a rare convergence, we both have the same cover. Yeah, it's unusual. Um, This is the one they've been been showing in all their ads. Uh, If you... When you buy this guy, um, there is a free digital comics code to uh, that you can tr- in, turn in and be able to read it uh, on uh, Comixology or uh, Amazon. So I'm liking that because I think Amazon-related properties are going to be a little more stable. the the Marvel uh, The Marvel code uh, machine, their servers are not really reliable. And there's talk, because when you say Amazon, it's really Comixology. It's Comixology, which is owned by Amazon. I'm sure they're using the S3 stuff now for for that. And and there's been a rumor for several months that Marvel's going to go. It can't can't happen soon enough. But um, it's an interesting book. It is is all over the place with uh, Batman and uh, Batman channeling through most of this. Uh, it's definitely his story or his, and his three mystery. And three different artists. And there's just like, uh, there seems to be no rhyme or reason why the pages change. No. No. So I found Maybe that a little. sense later. I, I think it was just like <laughs> they were trying to get it all done. Yeah. Um, you got, no, I'm with you though. I, I liked it. And I was going to say. It, it really moved along and all the character interactions were both true to the characters and interesting and felt like it was moving a story that has been subtext for quite a while forward. Um, whether or not it has been, or they're just trying to get provide us the they're illusion. Trying to give us a, you know what I liked most about it was this was this reminded me of Grant Morrison writing Batman. He did everything but say, "Alfred, unlock the science fiction room," right? Which is my favorite moment in all of of Grant Morrison scripting Batman, right? Right. And so Scott Snyder did it, and I I I agree with this choice. The only reason I didn't, you know, is because I knew you were going to do it. Yeah. So um, I loved this book. It's the only book I got to read today, but I loved it. So I'm glad. There's so much. There's so much just in the corners of this of this book. I, I read through it. I did not rapidly read through it. I read through it, appreciating it. Uh, a number of the little uh, spoiler things we're obviously not going to go on into, but you. I, well, we can say I, it, I thought it, immediately of you in one of the pages. It, it, yeah, it, it hits the buttons for me. And like you begin with the history, and I know not everybody immediately goes, but I love those stories that acknowledge a legacy. Yeah, Hawkman, Hawkman, and back I'm thinking, the and there's a panel where I just go, you know, I think James Robinson tried it with Jeff Johns when the, they relaunched Hawkman years ago. Is I would so love, well, maybe not a book, but the occasional miniseries or one shot of. The Hawkmen from days past. Yeah. You know, there's a panel that shows a whole bunch there's of the a, different ones. There's an array of the reincarnations. Re- reincarnations. And I'm like, there is something super cool about that that Legends of Tomorrow tried to touch on on TV. And they never just, you know, never quite did it well. I like the way it, towards the end they end up with two pairs of investigators in two different places. Actually, there's, yeah, um, so you've got uh, Batman with... Uh, yeah. Who's he? He's with Scott Free, and then he's eventually with Superman. With Superman, and then you've got um, Duke, Duke, and Green Lantern in another, and mm-hmm. it's almost like in a movie they'd be like split screen exposed. Yeah, but you've got you, you've got a Hawkman. Time. You've got uh, right. I was trying to think who else was really. Oh, Aquaman. That's why I thought it was an alternate universe. Yeah. Aquaman well, Mr. Terrific, that was what I was going to say. Terrific. Mr. Terrific was with Batman for, for through a large part of it. And I love the Mr. Terrific in this one. I'm not he's sometimes he falls flat for me, but this one, that especially when he was obviously enjoying himself. 
It's like when haven't seen that in a while. When, when the T balls stop the batarangs, T spheres, T spheres, uh, stop the batarangs. I don't know about your T balls. And he uh, says, uh, "I'm used to you no." Know, um, uh, when and he 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 obviously is happy that uh, that 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 he he was able to one up Batman on this, and he says, "What did my T spheres ever do to your batarangs?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was fun. It's, it's a good book. Yeah. I'm going to uh, choose uh, – oh, here. It does have a free digital comic code. Oh, there you go. Titan. So this week is when DC went to giving you the t- – you know, and I'm going to start doing that. Um, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> that I, I, I chose Titans because secretly this book has had a lot to do with um, with the mystery of what's going on with Rebirth. And plus it really is that classic Titans team, Kid Flash, Nightwing – Aqualad, I guess they're still calling him uh, Tempest. Uh, Omen, which is Lilith. Um, you know the, the 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 Teen Titans that I first read when I was a kid. Yeah, the sixties, the late sixties right, version. Original. Mal is here. Um, you know, so uh, it's. Uh, I just think this is kind of an. Uh, or, sorry, and Bumblebee, I mean, which I figured Bumblebee was going to come back because, of course, she's very important in DC superhero girls. Mm-hmm. So you might as well, you know, you got to have her in the main DC universe as well. So how much was that book? Three ninety nine. Okay. So they, they raised a bit, but you know. Well, it's got the it's got the. I was looking through mine, and um, I've got another three ninety nine book here from DC or Young Animal, and it does not have a code in it. Okay. Well. So you know. So it, I. Maybe they're experimenting, but I'm happy they are because yeah. I get what you're. You know, I, I get. What Maybe you're it's all the rebirth books. Maybe so. Yeah. I think it's worth. Uh, you know, taking a look at Titans if you haven't already, and of course there are trade paperbacks so far of at least the first, I think the first two volumes, yeah. or maybe this wraps it up so the second so the second trade paperback will come, be coming soon. But the first one is out there. So yeah, what's next on your? Side? Well, one one more note on that uh, the being the digital guy the the DC codes in this DC is using a better font to put the codes underneath the sticker. And the stickers are peeling off easier than on the Marvel ones. I often getting get pull off the cover, and part of the numbers come through. So you have to kind of decode looking at the backside of the of the tab that came off and the the, the what well, remains I, stuck I, on there. I didn't know your pain, but you know. Oh, I'm, when, but I'm gonna. I, when you, you know, do twelve of those books and have to enter all the codes by hand, no, no, these I, these are I, painful I, look, things. I'm not mocking you. No, because you're right. I do have other DC books that don't have that code this week. So yeah. So my next uh, book is uh, you know, I've got like four good candidates here. Just pick two. Uh, I mean, one now. <laughs> one now. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with yeah I'm gonna go with Young Animal Bug Adventures of Forger issue number two, and I think that. One of the other I young mean, animal being the imprint. I yeah. just want to make sure we young know. animals bug uh, it because it doesn't say DC on. The, oh, yes, it, it says does. DC's young animal, right? It's very tiny DC. It's not well, like we, that. We both need new glasses. Um, you know, I, I think we need to reflect every now and then. They got rid of the stupid uh, peel deal DC logo. Uh, they yeah, they did that a while was, ago. That was nice. They did, I, yeah, I, we, I don't think we. A, I don't think we respect them wasn't enough. Wasn't that for, a thrill before Wonder Woman? To see that on the movie, you know, to yeah. see this logo instead, uh-huh. which is so much more, so much closer to the classic. Yeah. 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 So uh, I think you had this in your What's in the Bag a couple uh, last month. The month. first issue I did, yeah. And this is the second issue. And what we've what we've noted is this, this is Bug kind of falling through dimensions in the DC For universe. those who 
don't know. It's not the one from the Micronauts, <laughs> which everybody goes, "What?" Uh, no, which bug. was Marvel anyway. Yeah, yeah. Th- I know, but uh, you know, this is Bug from uh, Fourth World. This is New from Gods. Kirby. Yeah, yeah, New Gods. So, um, and Forger was always like the odd bug out because he was actually a new god in a costume made him look like all the other bugs and every now and then he in this one he gets mistaken for a robot which is quite hilarious um because yeah anyway uh but we have uh last last issue we had uh the sandman the kirby um yeah. what was the the imprint that uh was it the fir- first, first issue first special. issue special uh, Sandman, and this is more the the standard Kirby Sandman and uh, his sidekick, who I can't remember. Oh, the forties one, Sandman and Sandy. Yeah, and Sandy. Um, this is this is the Alreds again, and there's just so many cute little toss off jokes in this. I love at one point, um, Forger turns a World War II radio into a mother box, just cra- recrafts it, and then explains to Sandy, who apparently has a bit of acne on his face, that. Orion, or that uh, uh, it is Orion. Orion uses uses his mother box to take care of his facial scars, and yes, and then he, he uses the mother box to get rid of Sandy's acne. Okay, <laughs> so little little wish fulfillment for the uh, the target audience here. I wish I had a mother box, mm-hmm. um, but this is this is a really fun book, and and it's this it's it's a crossover thing too because if you like the Silver Surfer. In Marvel, you want to read this book. You the the Alred Silver Surfer has the same the Dan Slot Dan yeah, Slot yeah. co-writing with Mike. Right, Ballard. right. But it's the same yeah. joyous joyous yeah. uh, exploration of a comic yeah, book. That's awesome. Well, uh, my next choice is a crossover that took decades uh, to happen. Yes, it's uh, t- high time. Martian Manhunter meets Marvin the Martian. Uh, so this is the month that the grim and gritty Looney Tunes. <laughs> Are coming to DC. Is there a terrific boom in the? I I, I well this this is uh, it's it's John Jones on the cover saying you're making me very angry <laughs> because of course uh, Marvin has a flamethrower. Mm. Uh, so I I'm just I did not have a chance to read it, but uh, I it was funny that last week I guess they reprinted and released the. DC Looney Tunes crossover that they'd done a few years ago. So it's like an 80 page special. Yeah. Which I love that DC's doing that. I, I like seeing these miniseries coming into like for eight, eight bucks instead of a trade paperback, especially if a kid is just going to want to pick it up and read it, gather it up in a, you know, yeah, a sure. reasonably priced magazine and let kids enjoy. So does I'm, that say anything about audience on the front cover? Is it is it rated T for teen? T for teen. Wow. Well, this is grim and gritty, dude. Marvin is gonna, you know, uh, let's face it. Marvin's genocidal. Yeah, but he's genocidal in a self-destructive uh, way. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what genocides aren't? Um, you know, that's uh, the genocidal maniacs are. So we we shall see. Um, like the house ad for Preacher on the back. So not necessarily appropriate for kids, but still. If I was writing that, I'd have like shadows of bunny ears and through it all the way through. And then at the end, reveal that it was Captain Carrot and not Bat Bugs. That it was in the shadows. Oh, well, I, I don't know that Bugs is in this at all. I no, I, I suspect he's not. I'm just I saying. Don't know the, I don't know the reason why they're all crossing over together or if they're just one shots. Mm. You know, we I shall can't, see. When we get to Marvin the Manhunter. Mar- Marvin Marsh- the Manhunter. Why not? Uh, Manhunter versus Marvel the Martian issue thirty seven. I think will make the uh, all right. The no, call on I'm that. pretty sure these are just one shot. I'm pretty sure you're I right. Five bucks a piece, but it, it's worth it to me because the 
the concept is silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give you me want, a concept silly, you and I'll su- buy it. You want to support their silly concepts. Absolutely. So I'm not going to review Defenders. I'm not going to review the, the new uh, Dresden Files book, although I'm really excited about both of them. Instead, I'm going with issue number three of Betty and Veronica, which, have you been reading this? No, okay. I stopped. So uh, this is an interesting book in that i think it's marvelously well crafted it's true to the source but at the same time being fresh uh the the artwork is wonderful in it as we've commented adam hughes adam hughes uh in a in a kind of muted adam hughes uh style that he's he's contained through this there are all kinds of asides um breaking the third the fourth fourth wall and uh, from everything from characters to animals who uh, who are letting us in on their viewpoint in the story, um, there is. It struck me. Uh, it struck me very strongly that it, that halfway through the story, Veronica's in an outfit and with a haircut that she is the spitting image of Betty Page in this book, mm. which I thought was an interesting twist on the Betty and Veronica <laughs> business. This is also the last book I'm going to buy this series because um, although I can appreciate it from a comic craft standpoint, eh, it was kind of like, uh, okay, that was an interesting little story about well, that's uh, why I stopped two, after two family, two I, families I went, fighting. I thought, I thought this is fine, but why am I buying Betty yeah. and Veronica? And, and the, but I hope th- people are. I think it's well done. I think, I think if I was giving it to a younger person, specifically a young woman or you know even even – young men to to read that's fine it's not it's there's no violence in it there's a little bit of disaster but it's yeah. it's a perfectly good book it's just not for me and the issue three tied up the the initial storyline so this is a great place to draw, jump right. off for me all right well uh i'm then going to stay silly um and and finish up stay silly i'm gonna stay silly by also adding the <laughs> other one Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny. And this is what leaps off, because if this is what Jeff Johns meant by the Legion coming back... Um, this is Which Legion is that? That's from, like, the 80s. This is the 80s, because it is Jacques as the uh, invisible kid. Yeah, but it's definitely, with the collar and everything. But it's the Dave Cockrum, still Saturn girl. Um, and uh, light, she's lightning last oh, you've got here. You've got uh, Firestorm in the uh, wild, corner. The, wild wildfire. Storm, wild, wildfire. Wildfire. Okay. It's been a while since. We need another cup of coffee? Maybe Uh, that's it. Maybe. uh, You know, so this is definitely, um, it's actually a hodgepodge because I'll I'll get nerdy. I I don't think, oh, it is the Dave Cockrum Phantom last as well. But but I don't think some of these costumes coexisted the same way. I don't think Lightning Lass was light. I think she was still Light Lass. When yeah. Saturn girl dressed like that, so you get chameleon that is there and that is violet. totally totally nerdy of me to say that, but it's yeah. true. But it, it's uh, Sam Humphreys is the writer, and uh, I, I like him. Uh, Tom Grummet doing pencils, and and it looks like I think this opening page is exactly what you think. It's, like it's almost right. to make it look like, like Captain Carrot, Captain Carrot, yeah, but it's not. It's bugs. Yeah. Uh, so you know it'll be fun. Oh, and there's multiple stories. And so anytime you bring in the Legion for me, I am you're there. Super happy. Is that Supergirl? Yep. There's a Supergirl backup story. Okay. Cool. Uh, so the, this is the other thing. It was they're four ninety nine for these books, but there are multiple stories in each one. That's nice. So you know what it feel? It feels like as if DC was doing an old Looney Tunes Gold Key book. Exactly. You know and. Yeah. Anything that just gives me that joy, sorry, look, I need to take it where I can, and this is, you know, absolutely. Yep. 
So let's go to go to movies, uh, and I'll try. I don't know, let's we go were, to the movies. We're going, we want to do that. No, I still have to go back to work tonight. But uh, there's still, you know, there's some some good stuff. Uh, 20th Century Fox has bought a minority stake since Warner Brothers owns DC and Disney owns Marvel. 20th Century Fox decided they need to own a piece of Boom, hmm. which I should mention is just uh, announced this week that they're going to do Old Man uh, Old Man Burton, uh, the 2020 set sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah, I saw it. So yeah. uh, I think that's pretty funny. But uh, the articles uh, talking about what which pro- projects they had optioned from uh, from Boom is that you know. It, it's not the same thing as creating, a, and please don't, by the way, Fox, don't start a shared universe. You have one of the X-Men. That's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but one of the projects they, they did was a really, they've optioned a really early a boom book, which I loved, called Tag by Keith Giffen. Have you ever, did you ever read Tag? It sounds really familiar. It's a zombie story where it's a curse that is passed. Okay. That you have to tag Somebody Someone, else. Somebody else and pass it on. It's kind of like, uh, I guess It Follows kind of picked that up a little bit, that idea. The but, monkey's paw. But you were, no, no, no. No, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. No, it, the it, curse goes along but, different people. Yeah, I can't remember what ca- what causes it, but it, but it is it, it does get passed along and, and gets viral. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting oh. take on the... It, oh, so you don't actually get rid of the curse, you just you, spread it. You do, but if you're angry, you know, if it, depending on... People can pick it up because of their own, like... Okay. Self-loathing and anger. That much I remember. It definitely involves your attitude. Interesting. And, and so it's, it's like... a story for the ages. Well, the guy who wants to get rid of it wants to give it to someone who deserves to be a rotting corpse, basically. And so... Uh, it's like the end of Thinner. They had done like three or four, I think, sequel series too, but the original miniseries was really, really good. And one of those where I was reading going, yeah, this would make an interesting take on the zombie. And, you know, so uh, Fox has been trying to develop it for some time. But the point is, now they've got a piece of boom. And... You said something just a second ago, which which I was just like, I would really like to see a crossover between the X-Men and Jack Burton. Big Trouble in Little Westchester. Yeah, right that'd there. be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Fillion would also like to see a crossover between himself and, and the Avengers. Uh, despite the fact that all of the joke movie posters were cut out of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. In which he was de- he was playing uh, it just in stills. He never shot any actual footage of himself as Simon Williams. Well, maybe they did that so they can keep him for a movie. Well, but, no. Gunn said basically it was like it would have stopped the action to yeah. actually make that inside joke work for anybody. He did do, which I think you've probably seen the photo, is that he dressed up as Archon and sat in the pilot seat of of the Milano. So he just, they have a still of him dressed, because one of the movies, movie posters is Archon, like, three or something. Right, right. And so he actually got in the Archon costume. The Archon costume, which is, the the, the joke is Simon Williams played Archon in the movies. Yes, yes. So uh, it was one of, and people were like, oh, he's going to be, no, it was just another joke. You know, he and James Gunn are really good friends. But But he has said, so what if I was cut out? He's trying to, he is trying to convince Marvel uh, films that, yeah, he would make a good Simon Williams. Maybe you ought to find room for him. But I, I do want to say, with two more Avengers movies, where Chris Evans actually extended his contract by one film for Captain America because he said, "We got, I got to make it to the fourth Avengers because they, the, basically the excuse is what we said is like there are so many characters 
that if he was just in Avengers Infinity War, they would not do justice to Captain America. Yeah. So my belief is that Avengers Infinity War will be 120 minutes of character introduction, and then the Avengers will return in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You know, Simon Williams is a great character for, for the play, too, because especially if you play the 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 time period where he is a Hollywood star, because that costume is very forgiving. He would not have to go hit the gym for eight hours out of the day before he could get into costume. That, well, that, that, that I think we can say at this point that it's, an, uh, it's no spoiler to say that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 introduced the original team. Yes. And if they got sent to the future or something, uh, you know, there could be an excuse for Hollywood. That was Wonder, Wonder Man's future self that joined the future Guardians right, of the Galaxy. Right, right, right. Um, you know. Because he's an Ionic-based Yeah, there are, there are excuses. Immortal. Uh, you know, I, I'd be happy to see that. Yeah. Um, you should also be very happy that Danny Elfman is now scoring Justice League. I'm always happy about a new Janet. Because, because DC Films has now said in the wake of Wonder Woman <laughs> that there will be hope and joy and uh, enthusiasm uh, that movies will be fun again. Um, you can't see my expression of the like, this reminds me. They've discovered fun. Yeah. This reminds me of when Fox sent a cease and desist letter to Fanboy Planet, the only one that I've ever received when I ran the plot synopsis of, of the Fantastic Four movie. And they said, and they said, I'm getting in the way of their ability to create a movie that fans want to see. To which we said, you can probably find it on the on podcast archives. No, Fox, you're getting in the way of making people right. of making movies. And it turned out that, that they were also saying that that wasn't the right um, scenario that the, the, for the movie. And in fact, it, it was. It was. And I want to acknowledge, by the way, the passing of uh, last Friday uh, was the release date of Fantastic Four Two, which had been set. <laughs> are we celebrating this? Thing? We are celebrating <laughs> that it didn't actually happen. Oh, okay. Um, and to celebrate, Kevin Feige said, yeah, we, we, we don't really need the Fantastic Four back. So you'll never see Galactus again. You'll never see Silver Surfer. I'm sorry, Rick. I hate to break your heart. Oh, uh, but uh, It'll happen. Eventually. Eventually. I, I don't know how long. I don't long, know if I'll still be alive to see it. I don't know how long that Fox has before the rights would, would revert to... Um, to Marvel, but I, but as we're making these jokes about Avengers Infinity War being 120 minutes, one character is like Knight of 100 Stars, yeah. Knight of 100 Superheroes. I don't know right now that there's room for a Fantastic Four film, especially, I'll say, in the wake of Wonder Woman, where they had better make Captain Marvel. And they had better make a good Captain Marvel. And yes. They, and they'd better give Scarlett Johansson and one damn Black Widow solo film before she gets too right, old to play that part. This is the Carol Danvers Captain yes, Marvel Captain, that we're talking yes, about. Yes. Yes. Well, because they, I mean, they've cast Brie Larson. That is happening. Yeah. But now the pressure is on in the wake of Wonder Woman. And to which I just go, you know, it, it, there was... Do they have somebody writing a script for that? Yeah. Who? Uh, the woman who initially developed Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Um, and I can and I apologize if someone who knows her is listening and is getting upset. I, 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 her name is escaping me at the moment, but it she, would just bother me if it was some producer's son-in-law. Right? No, 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 no. It's, you know, there, I, I think that Marvel is doing that right. I mean, I think the tragedy is, it, maybe it's, it's called tragedy, but you know, the shame is that it's taken this long. Right. Um, and I think that's what Wonder Woman proves too, is when people are going like, 
you know, the, Warner Brothers was caught unawares. I'm like, well, no, yes and no. They didn't know. It's not like, let's also be honest, as, as good as I think the rebirth Wonder Woman's been, it's not exactly burning up the sales charts, you know? Right. And so, and that's what they get. She may be iconic, but, but it costs a lot less to just license a, a, a character out for a t-shirt and a backpack than it does to make spend 150 million dollars do you know is captain marvel selling well right now i don't know because i I don't know that anything marvel is doing is selling well Uh because who can keep track of which version right where they are and the you know that's the thing no marvel uh, one marvel book is selling over 50 50, copies a month Uh uh-huh and i cannot remember what it is it's not star wars is it no, 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 I'm not counting Star Wars. Oh, okay. Because they, they're not counting Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars routinely, any Star Wars book routinely sells over 100,000 a month. Sure, sure. Um, you know, so that's, Star Wars is not the issue. Marvel confusing people as to where they should jump on, what they should do. And, you know, they say it's a relaunch, but it's a relaunch tied in, you know, whatever relaunch is always tied into a, a crossover. So it's, there's nothing's clean. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to see the Captain Phasma, um, uh, I'm sorry, the official title is uh, Journey to the Last Jedi, Captain Phasma. Okay. Because we're doing that again, like how it was Journey to the Force Awakens. All the cross, all the tie-in books, were, and that's... And so Marvel's it's it. Prelude. Yes, yeah. uh, but I, I believe it's still called Journey. Because I, I, I got the press release today, I didn't have time to do anything with it. Yeah. But I, I looked at it and went, why is it... Oh, yeah. We're going to learn more about that character in the comic book than we did in the movie. Well, that's okay. I think that's why with a, with a universe that rich, yeah, that's what the comics are for. But that was a character that they promised was like a breakout character for the movie. So. Well, I think that we might be pleasantly surprised because they've all had time to take uh, the lay of the land and the, which, what direction the wind is blowing and how great it... Although I also say Star Wars, film-wise, has a long history of setting up really cool-looking villains who do nothing? Who fall in a sarlacc pit. <laughs> <Bonifet. laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Darth Maul. Uh, you know. So wait, wait. I'm sorry. Count Dooku was actually Darth Tyrannus. Was that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, nobody remembers that because just he's Dooku. Um, uh, well, the, that was just an expository line, anyway. The, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jessica Chastain is in talks to play Lalandra in X Men: Dark Phoenix. So they're going. They're going to bring the Shi'ar. Into uh, great opportunity for a fabulous new hairdo. Oh yes, and it's interesting because she's also she's also attached to Painkiller Jane. So I'd, I'd oh. almost rather see a good Painkiller Jane movie, uh, the comic book property, the heroine created by Jimmy Palmiotti. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was a oh, I wasn't will. there a Painkiller Jane TV show there for was. a while? There was. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think I I was looking through Netflix or something, and I watched like the first episode. Or I don't know how it was. Um, it looked okay. Well, you know, I thought that about Witchblade too. Yeah, um, that's right, people. There was a Witchblade. No, TV I never series. thought the Witchblade TV series looked good. Yeah, okay, I mean, there's Wait. there's too many better ones in anime and other things. So. Oh, that's right. There's a Witchblade anime. Yeah, um, Snowbirds of Prey. Uh, so uh, the last movie thing that's related to comics is very interesting. That uh, though no studio is attached, it was announced this week that Reginald Hudlin is going to direct Shadow Man. From Valiant Entertainment. Now we at Baycom we we mentioned that you know Sony has five properties uh, for Valiant. They got they're going to do two uh, 
bloodshots, two harbingers, and then one harbinger wars, bringing them together, they might change the order, and then things might have changed since Faith became a breakout character right, from right. Robinger. So I thought maybe oh Sony was going to do Shadow Man, but no, they're not saying there's a you studio. Remind me involved. about Shadow Man. I, I I mean I think that was one of the books in Valiant that I skipped, which well, I read most of their stuff. Um, he became a lot more supernatural, I think, from the original. He was a jazz a jazz musician uh, who was given kind of like a dark force thing, and he started uh, yeah. started dealing with. I, he was rebooted a couple times, and I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I have not read the new Valiant Shadow Man, but I think there's a they just re, there's a new. So it's kind of a up. kind of a Doctor Strange Hellblazer by 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 way of Ditko kind of character. Yeah, but with ja, with jazz in his soul. Yeah. Okay. So um, maybe I'm probably selling, but it was popular enough that there was a video game of Shadow Man, and mm-hmm. I, I people for years have told me, yeah, that was actually a pretty good game. So I, you know, if you're listening and played it and said, no, I'm full of crap, go ahead. <laughs> write into editor know. at fanboyplanet.com. Yeah, absolutely. Always let me know when I'm full of crap. But it's interesting that he's doing this because, you know, Reginald Hudlin is one of the people supposedly bringing back Milestone. Okay. So, you know, the, where's Milestone 2.0 that was announced like four or five years ago? And Reginald Hudlin is supposed to be the guy driving this re- return. And, oh, I'm over here doing Shadow Man. And the titles we see in Milestone would be? We haven't. But uh, uh, Static Shock was yes. part of the new 52 uh, DC to pick that up. But that was before they announced uh, my, the, before they announced Milestone 2.0. Uh, there'd be Blood Sync Syndicate. There'd be my Icon. Uh, there would be Hardware. Um, there were a couple of zombie DC did a quick six issue zombie revival a few years ago. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, but there should be a line and I don't, I, I don't, I don't know the legality of why DC has to be the publisher. The big promise of milestone was that they're just gonna be distributed by DC and that never really quite worked out that way. But I think, I think in this explosion of different publishing companies and people shopping, properties around for transmedia adaptation right man milestone is full of stuff that people would want to see on the screen tyler perry's blood syndicate shut the hell up (laughs) no you don't know you can make that joke i you didn't go see i I think it would be medea medea shut up you did not see boo a medea halloween which by the way is getting a sequel and there's no reason for that. Medea icon. No. Oh. Oh, this podcast is over. <laughs> After I talk I'd see every one of those movies. I definitely would. No. No, you wouldn't. Remember we were talking like, you won't watch the Marvel Netflix series all the way through because you're because at home. You don't have to make any effort. They end up sucking. Believe me. <laughs> Medea icon is going to end up sucking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know I'm just going to say this for that I'm giving you a blu-ray of Jonah Hex for Christmas <laughs> and I'm making you watch it um, there are parts no uh, <laughs> anyway uh, television just thrilled that uh, DuckTales is going to say they're going to have a, a season long mystery um, so many great things I think we talked about that Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be in the cast as a recurring character <laughs> right uh, David Tennant, his Uncle Scrooge. There is no. Hopefully, better. he'll get to not waste his shot. <laughs> Danny, but you, you, it's secret to comedy is 
timing. The Lin-Manuel Miranda joke had to happen before I say da- David Tennant. Um, and Danny Pudi's in there as well as Huey, I think. So it, it's a... Uh, have you noticed it's hard to squeeze things in between you and things you're saying? Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the other thing with uh, they're saying is going to be a year, uh, a season long mystery. Yeah. Now we're all excited about that because people like Ducktales. Now apparently Chris Chibnall has gone on record saying that the BBC has been open to his idea that um, that his first season of Doctor Who will be a season long mystery. And not in that big bad it's not arc a big way. surprise. Well, no, but I think he means it's going to be really truly serialized in the way of. I think this season has been like there's been a little clue at the end that leads you to the next, right? And, and that is the but way a lot of serial, yeah. a lot of televisions. But this is, it's more like being a miniseries where it's tightly locked into each other. They're chapters instead of episodes. More like the old Doctor Who. And we don't know that that's going to. Yeah, I see, and that's and, and that's what I thought when yeah. people are like going, "No," I'm like, "But isn't that?" what you loved in the first place right um you think that, about the key of time right with tom baker that was that was, was that a, that's a full season right that's that's actually multiple arcs within a, a bigger arc so that's the whole romana thing and yeah yeah so that's yeah i i think it's a return of form i think what we've gotten used to it being presented a certain way and there is i suppose a difference when you're watching a I want to say half hour, but I know with commercials it probably wasn't. Like if you watch those old episodes, it's oh, like they're about twenty minutes. Twenty minutes each. Yeah. So if you with five minutes of repetition at the beginning of each show. <laughs> oh, so it's like a reality television series. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Will he find the key to time? Previously on Doctor. Now Who. that he's found the key to time, is he going to open the door? Yeah. When we last left him, he was about to open the door. Is he going to do it? We don't know. Um, there's that great who is. Uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. Have you ever seen? It? They have. Yeah. They do a sketch in the style of a reality se- series, and it's twenty seconds of script, but all kinds of. We're going to go away from the sketch, and he's about to ask this question, Willie. You know, in preview, and, and, and it's like a five minute long film bit, but twenty seconds of actual sketch, and right. it's, it's hilarious. Right. So, um, you know, that's that, that's my big news. We're hitting that summer. I, I want to say not quite slow. As you mentioned, Game of Thrones is about to come. One back. month from today. <sighs> Did you watch the uh, trailer for it? No, I really, I, I haven't because I know I'm going to watch it. You know, yeah. so, some shows like that, it was like, well, like I haven't watched the trailer for, for Preacher's Return either because I, I know that. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to, and I'm and I, I, you know, let's let's finish up one series first. Like I, I, I want to finish uh, American Gods before I get excited about a, a Game of Thrones again. Let me savor what I'm savoring right now. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going to love Game of Thrones with their wyverns uh, and, and not dragons. I feel like we've been lied to for six seasons. Um, <clears throat> but, and Preacher's coming back and what else is coming this summer? We get the Defenders uh, in yep. August. But in the meantime, we got to get through <laughs> D23 and Comic Con and and all know. the stuff we're going to find out about at D twenty three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. Insane. Are you going to be? You're not going to be able to get there the, for the first for the. Uh, not for the morning. Not for the Legends yeah. induction. Um, and unfortunately, discovered today, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, before I have to leave before the panel that I would uh, that I would be most interested in, but my son would probably not. Is that they're at six o'clock on Sunday night? They're going to have an archive lecture about searching for the lost oswald cartoons oh wow so i says i guess what year would this be 19 so if it's 19 i know what year this is but the anniversary are they consider this the 
95th anniversary. They're celebrating Oswald hard this year at D23, yeah. and I don't know if there's a particular significance to the date. It's because it's not 100 years yet. Um, so it's got to be 95. But um, And I don't think 95 is a, a year to celebrate, except they could probably sell a lot of Oswald merchandise to just me. Well, D23 is only every two years, so they wouldn't be able to do 100 anyway. Yeah, well, you know, but I'm just saying. Unless they did a special year. They they just sense. uh, You know, because there'll be, I know that there'll be a lot of information about Star Wars Land. um, Oh, yeah. Because they've already released press releases saying, yeah, come to that. Well, they're supposed to have a special section. Mm-hmm. Showing off all the... I think we're still saying Star Wars themed land. Um and you know, and, and it is interesting. I read this week uh, they have bought out uh, whoever they co-owned Disneyland Paris with this week. Oh, so I didn't know they co-owned it, but yeah. uh, apparently they do, so that they can do what they want uh, with Disneyland Paris. And I think that's part of the larger. I wonder if it was a land thing. They they. they I, I don't know. I mean, I knew that Tokyo was is actually leased. Uh, licensed. It's owned yeah. by the Oriental Land Company, and I think Shanghai is still largely owned by the by the Chinese government. But I'm not positive about that, you know. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting, and we'll probably be seeing a lot of uh, a lot of things there. There's, there'll be some Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. I'm sure we're going to see. Uh, I know they've already announced. I, I again think it's Hong Kong is going to do like an Arendelle, so there'll be a, a land. Uh, you know, there'll be a frozen land in okay. Hong Kong. Yeah. So I think we'll probably be seeing some, some stuff there. And then, you know, but we know why we're all really there. And that is to uh, stand in long lines to buy merchandise. And uh, yeah, the two mistakes I made last year were not getting up early enough to get in the lines for the first panels of the day. And second, not hitting the stores on the first day and just suffering through those lines. Yeah, I, I, I'm Because they sold out a everything i'm torn because i i think that's what's going to happen but yeah. on the other hand i'm like do i with comic-con the very next weekend do i need you're gonna to be spend... exhausted but no but I, so is my bank account physically and financially and financially you know and it's i mean it's maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that yeah. i have to pass up on, on on that stuff um you know so we shall see it's gonna it, but it is but you're right it is going to be an exhausting summer and it's going to be an exhausting summer from a television watching perspective and how many movies we we still have spider-man homecoming to uh, to get to uh we still have i don't even know anymore uh there are still many more things coming so many more things so many more more wonder woman i have to see it again um and yeah, we have to go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. There's still more comic book movies this su- this summer. Uh, I mean, if you can count Atomic Blonde, right? Um, I know there's still there's still more. Oh, I guess this weekend was Car- is Cars Three. That's the not a superhero. Movie. No, no, and not a super movie either. But no. um, you know, it was all right. Um, it was all right. And, yeah, and, and that's that's all you can say about it. So uh, I think then. Uh, we're all reaching the end of our time here and uh, it, uh for tonight <laughs> that sounds so fatal i know i'm sorry if you have any questions comments compliments commentary criticism write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and of course if anything we talked about on tonight's podcast 
that is available at a retail store uh, is something you'd like to own for yourself. And if you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, please use the handy-dandy Amazon link that is on each and every page of Fanboy Planet. Uh, and sometimes there are direct links to specific items, uh, depending on, on what we talk about and how much time we have. Uh, and also, if you'd like to help defray the cost of uh, of the hosting the podcast and the site, you can donate uh, to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, support thinkgeek.com which if you're not saving up for D23 or Comic-Con, uh, you know... Or if you're not going, you can spend all the money you yeah, would have spent so to I, get there. Yeah, I got thinkgeek.com, and we if you go through the ad that is on Fanboy Planet, we do get a small uh, affiliate kickback as well. So uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope you listen to the, to the next episode as well. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, if you're in L.A., try to get tickets to Comic-Con the musical. And in the meantime, we say I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatluke.com.